You are listening to Index Foundation Podcast. During this year of 2020, Index's ongoing research process of looking into how artists deal with and reinvent formats of distribution has itself been redistributed, frozen and sped up, paused and accelerated by this global turn. The rollercoaster of stillness and intensity has put a new lens on how we see the movement of information, the movement of our bodies, and the material realities of distribution. As part of this, tracking distribution interns Mabato Tobejane and Lily Houston Hertrich joined us as co-researchers learning and sharing within the summer course art and distribution, exhibition practices and other ways to distribute, organized by Index and Konsfak University of Arts and Crafts. Now active at Index throughout the summer, Mabato and Lily play an important part in the course unfolding, tracking its distribution and formulating how artistic practices are taking on other modalities in responding to a distributor world. The conversation shared in this podcast was recorded during the first intense week of seminars and lectures at Index and is a moment of getting to know the term distribution from their own personal perspective and how they use distribution as a concept within their own practices. We start with Mabato and, and Lily actually. So basically like I, I introduced uh, shortly yesterday as well, like the motivation for us to um, yeah, both in general, like um, coming to distribution and coming to the term tracking distribution and how we formulated the, the open call that both um, Mabato and Lily uh, responded to. And I mean, we're super happy that they're here. <laughs> uh, and also like, I mean, it's a great, um, this is like what we're hoping that the summer also can be, uh, where Index can kind of act as a platform where you can discuss um, and where you can kind of share um, our different ways of coming to this uh, this big term of distribution. So we're doing an introduction that will be like, kind of take the format of an interview, um, just because we're kind of honoring that we will be in collaboration. So, um, and that as you, I don't know, wanting to use us as your resource, we're both here thinking together as well. Um, so yeah. yeah, shall we? Let's do it. Um, yeah, Mabato is studying uh, curatorial masters at the Stockholm University, and um, I'm an artist, so we're entering this in two different with two different practices. But I think that our methods relate. And we met um, for the first time when I arrived in Stockholm the week before this course, and we were having lunch. Uh, but before we did that, we exchanged some texts together, and you sent me your thesis from 2017, um, and I also sent you mine. But I wanted to maybe start with that because you did mention. This uh, this week that that was maybe the beginning of your your yeah. practice as a as a curator or in the artistic yeah and your thesis was on or was sort of centralized on the movement roads must fall 2015 yeah exactly so I from 2013 2015 I was 2016 actually I was studying a bachelor of commerce in finance and economics. Um, and halfway through my degree, Rosemus Fall happened. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Rosemus Fall. So Rosemus Fall is a, a movement in South Africa, but started in South Africa, um, that kind of addressed the colonial uh, history and education that we kind of got in universities. Um, it centered around a statue of Cecil John Rhodes, who was like a British imperialist who had stolen land and murdered a million, well, a lot of um, Native Africans. So we, yeah, we began the call for a decolonized uh, university, kind of centering the statue and calling for the fall of it. So that from like the ninth, I think it was like the 9th of March 2015, this is when this began and it was a, a, a month-long um, protest about this. Uh, um, and I mean what began is that it was a movement that I guess also went beyond the removal of the statue. Um, our like three tenets were black consciousness, um, inter well, yeah, yeah, black consciousness, pan-Africanism and black feminism. Um, so we try to work with those three concepts, but it was hard, obviously. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, that process was where I kind of began to kind of think of 
uh, alternative worlds and alternative societies and what like my degree could not give me the platform to think and imagine this I felt just because it was not at all reacting to the movement and the time and, it, and also just it says something about commerce as we learn it and uh, know it that it can't react you know like it can't actually stop and react because it's so implicit it's like so that was not a place I thought could be productive for me so I finished the degree and then I was fortunate enough to be accepted into um, like a pre-masters postgraduate uh, course called like honors and curatorship at the University of Cape Town as well um, so from there I kind of uh, began to like think through and with certain thinkers like, you know, Bell Hooks and um, Audre Lorde and mostly like, I guess, um, American black feminist thinkers. But yeah, it was just a platform for me to think differently and to kind of, I don't know, it's like this intuitive thing where you're, you're gravitating towards something else mm -hmm. and you're needing the space to explore what that something else is. And that's what um, coming into art was for me. Super interesting. Mm -hmm. Because I actually have never heard you speak about like the reason why you shifted from commerce to curation. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking about like, of course, like my feed, which is primarily the anti-racist movement and globally, but specifically in the United States, mm -hmm. and also kind of this these ideas that are, that I'm that I'm kind of thinking about for maybe the first time in relation to like I've always kind of there's always been a criticality of like neoliberal mm. culture or capitalist culture and especially in North America, but globally. And, um, but now there's this relation that's happening pretty explicitly between mm. white yeah. supremacy and neoliberalism yeah. or capitalism. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. I mean, are you feeling that there's a... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's great to see at like such a global level. And I, it's almost like what happens in America becomes global, right? So all of this, yeah. <laughs> all of this stuff that was happening in South Africa five years ago, where we were, what's happening now, where statues are being removed, yeah. which I mean, my the, I mean, this time is still like incredibly inspirational because like people are doing it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, oh, that's amazing. Where we had to go through this bureaucratic thing. Um, so it's really fun and cool in this moment. Yeah. But it's also like, I don't know. There's like they can certainly be an erasure of the fact that there, this conversation was happening mm -hmm. in this like little country, well not actually, no, also like in some ways an imperialist um, country mm -hmm. um, in Africa. Um, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like holding these kinds of things. It's like, let's, let's think of an instance where this happened and like honor it, mm -hmm. but also this time is like oh, amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the connections, yeah, that are being made between like white supremacy, racism, I mean, obviously, yeah. it's, it's the, I don't know, it's just a weird time, but like the connections that are being made between like capitalism and like uh, the police, for example, are, have always been made, but now I guess are more mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Which is really cool. Mm -hmm. But weird. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, erasure is a good word. Yeah. And that maybe it also has a relevance to because what I wanted to talk to you about is sort of how your current work is is sort of identifying and working towards a decolonial feminist curatorial practice. Mm -hmm. And I think it feels like erasure has, or like the, the topic of erasure, especially erasure of yeah. histories, um, has a significance there. Yeah, Maybe we can talk yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Um, yes, it is significant. Um, I think what, like, what I kind of, get from decolonial feminism thinking about this erasure is to not I don't know because they can be this kind of going back to histories that um, I'm trying to find a word but that isn't productive for the time mm -hmm. and it's also like a, it's also just kind of like trying to lift uh, these histories from um, from yeah trying to lift these histories to be accepted within the white supremacist society. Okay. So then, and there become these, I think, contradictions, right? Between like, because I mean, like we're seeing now where, um, for example, the call for diversity and the call for like, I don't know, all these things that I don't think are very decolonial because mm -hmm. then they perpetuate certain modes of thinking. It's like my friend was talking about um, 
she, one of my friends reads a lot, like, yeah. And she was speaking about this article about uh, conceptions of like art in different space, in different like histories, right? Mm -hmm. in different canons um, and how, what, we, what is cons considered art like within the Western canon isn't always considered art, well, isn't what art is in other canons, right? But then the way that this conversation often happens, it's a matter of like trying to elevate, um, but elevate within a white supremacist like, context, like elevate this art, like non-art into West, like art, mm -hmm. you know, into like this Western canon, mm -hmm. which then I think is, yeah, I mean, the methodologies that happen there to, to um, address erasure and to like affirm alternative ways of being always ultimately feel it almost feels like almost always um, ultimately feed into it's like a pandering towards like power and white supremacy so it's like for me what decolonial feminism does is that um it says no there are options like there's a we don't have to i don't have to elevate um art in my context to art within western within the western context it can mm -hmm. be art um and I think, I mean, it's also like a parallel. I mean, it's a, it's a um, not a parallel, a contradiction where, I mean, it, yeah, it's easy to fall into that because of the fact that like the Western canon is also purporting itself to be universal, right? So yeah. you always have to be like, no, this is art too, um, because it's like stamping, it's always constantly stamping out. So, I mean, I'm always like, how does how does the decolonial option exist alongside like Western modernity and it because of Western like Western modernity having this notion of universality it's it would be difficult obviously mm -hmm. I think but yeah that's that's where I'm kind of struggling when I'm thinking about these histories. Yeah, and I guess West supremacy, supremacy in the culture and the society of West supremacy is a container. Yeah, yeah, or like some kind of. Just thinking about yeah. it in terms of like how how it locks itself and forces yeah, yeah. things within its shape, how decolonial feminism can be alongside without having to be sort of always responding yeah. to that. This is the yeah. This is shape. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then again, it's also like most a lot of the uh, like imaginative and like absolute like inspirational ways of living have been crafted in spaces of resistance right, right. Um, but then they also aren't trying to necessarily be resistant they're like trying to be and then because it's against this like white I don't know it's like because it's like white supremacy then is termed as resistant right mm. Mm. Um, yeah um, so yeah I'm just I guess I'm thinking through um, I mean I'm quite interested in um, ex well exhibition practices that are I don't know that that can like put people in contact mm -hmm. and like exhibition practices or containers um, and I'm so like thankful for this course that it's given me this language because I think I've been looking for it but like these containers of where um, where like people are being put in, in conversation with each other but also like as a curator I'm also in this like position of also being in conversation and also in like listening, because mm -hmm. I also feel like there isn't that room in our current containers for listening. Mm -hmm. um, I find that if it's, I, yeah, I just, I do not fit within our current containers of, or like our current conceptions of curating. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm trying to be like, what does it look like to be in relation at the colonial difference, you know, with people? Yeah. And I think that involves a lot of listening and a lot of like being like mm -hmm. there, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the so a note that I wanted to ask you about it was mm -hmm. like uh, this, like you know, how does how do you perform your mm -hmm. um, perform your practice? Like, the, and I think you're already speaking to that in terms mm -hmm. of a level of an, of like engagement with your material yeah. or your relationships. Um, and maybe actually, can I show the map? Mm -hmm. Because I I've been. <coughs> This is a little bit of a leak leak into my practice, but I made a map of um, uh, to tr sort of track sort of getting to know Mobata, which is still happening. Um, and maybe I'll share my screen and hopefully this can work. Here it goes. Beautiful. Just go straight to here. Sweet. Can you see it? Yeah. Yeah. So this is like a 
template for a map and it looks quite hectic, which is a word that I've been using more because of Mobasa. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is like already like <laughs> leaking into my mouth, basically. But um, yeah, so Mobato and I um, had a sky meeting with Emily on the 5th of, or sorry, on the 28th of May. Uh, so these circles that go outwards are dates, and then I plot um, as as accurately as possible, but of course there's lack of accuracy, sort of things that happen along this um, clock. And I think of it as like the beginning of the day and the end of the day, but it doesn't launch to any But anyway, so there's this moment here where we had um, a conversation on Skype and it relates to like a lunch we had mm -hmm. that I was talking about with this decolonization being related to affect care, community, mm -hmm. um, and thinking about foundations. And also simultaneously, there are these sort of thinkers that that you kind of surround yourself with, or that mm. you were actually Sylvia Winter is not a um, is not a thinker that I was familiar with. So mm. it's already this sort of sharing of your resources. Mm. Maybe you can talk about like how yeah you perform your practice and how these three words come into play, and then yeah. two how you put yourself in relation with the research that you're doing. Mm -hmm. um. Okay, so about performing my practice, I, hmm. so I also find that the context I'm within is different, like, yeah. changes this quite a bit, like, in South Africa, it's a different conversation if you're, like, here, for example, whereas yeah. in South Africa, like, my practice is a lot about, um, kind of, well, being in conversation with Black women artists and also, like, elevating them within the South African canon. Because oh. um, as much as like we're democratic and free, we still have a deeply white um, art space and like a deeply, like it's it's incredible. It's like mind boggling the numbers. Um, so like I'm working, well, I've been really fortunate to have like great like mentors in some ways in South Africa. Um, like Nkule Mabaso, who works a lot with this and has written quite a bit about this, and I can share. Yeah, I can share um, her. Um, so yeah, she's like got this. Um, I'm work well. I was working with her while I was there quite a bit about um, this like project of um, elevating Black women artists um, and bringing them into conversation into the like um, well, into the canon mm -hmm. and. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what it was when I left. And it also is about, it's a, I mean, it was just about like exploring all these ways that artists are thinking about being in the world. And like, um, <coughs> yeah, that was, that's, that's what I did a lot in South Africa, but here where like I begin anew, mm -hmm. um, it is a lot about just like the community aspect of it is big. Mm -hmm. um, just meeting people and then I think it it comes from like a, I mean what is okay yeah I mean what have what has been like coming here has really like uh, and highlighted for me was like this notion of like global blackness mm -hmm. um like and the solidarity that exists and it doesn't necessarily mean like like blackness is um, monolithic it's not at all but it just means that there's just this community that is um ready to accept you mm -hmm. and then you're in conversation with them and so that's been really lovely um. And I perform my practice within that community mm -hmm. in conversation um, and like being invited to think about their art. And that's been like really like great. So right now it's a lot about being in conversation, but also, I mean, thinking about projects that I'm maybe doing a bit later this year. Um, just how to like, yeah, I don't know. Like right now I'm thinking about like the white cube and how cold it is for the things I'm wanting to do. Mm -hmm. And the fact that there's some things that, which are about like people being in contact that just cannot work in this container because it is like a, it's cold. And what ends up happening, it almost feels as though these people are um, on show, on display. you know what I mean, on yeah. display. And it's like, that can't work. Mm -hmm. So what I'm like thinking through a lot is uh, audiences and like how, it's completely okay to tailor your audience and to be like, these are the four or five, like, I mean, with the Felix um, work, Felix, no, uh, work mm -hmm. about saying, these are the four or five people that mm -hmm. I'm wanting to work mm -hmm. or to reach. Mm -hmm. And I think this is really, right now, this is what I'm like affirming and um, kind of seeing how that works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. I mean, it also reminds me of like the temporality of an ongoing practice, mm -hmm. like how to kind of mitigate what a practice is, which is lifelong mm -hmm. and always evolving with live relationships and then mitigating that with the demand of the structure, the current structure yeah. or the container of art and, and exhibition making, which is like based on these like fruiting bodies that are dependent on their like illusion of stillness. Mm -hmm. And there's all of this activity that happens around it. Mm -hmm. Agreed, yeah. yeah. So Lily, your maps. When and why do you map? <laughs> <laughs> your maps? Um, uh, we can get off this map because maybe it's a bit distracting, but there is an ongoing practice node somewhere. Uh, when and why do I map? Maybe I'll stop sharing this. Mm -hmm. I started mapping. I started mapping when I started collaborating on a research project with another, um, with a really good friend of mine who's also a historian. Mm -hmm. And we were working on this project that uh, was sort of a, history project in Toronto about an exhibition that happened in 1983 mm -hmm. and the way that we were kind of unpacking this history of an exhibition that had very little uh, remnants that, that was that were in kind of like formalized mm -hmm. um, archives because it was a self-organized exhibition and it happened with 103 artists over the course of one month so it was like really smash and grab um, style of a DIY exhibition but it was quite uh, significant in mm -hmm. who was participating in it and um, anyway, we, our approach was oral histories. Our approach was to sort of create an, an exhibition of new artist works and then invite artists that were involved in the original exhibition in 83 into this living room that was like a, sort of set up by contemporary artists' objects, artists and designers' objects, and speak to them. And our process of trying to track those conversations and also our development of research towards that ultimate happening or thing, became really complex. So we started, um, it was supported by an organization in Amsterdam. So we traveled to Amsterdam to study uh, a little bit of the history of art and design in the Netherlands. And that was a set time frame. We knew we were gonna be there for 10 days. So we decided that over the course of 10 days, we'd do some sort of collaborative journaling. Yeah. And the way that we decided to do that was that every night we'd come home and it was painful often because sometimes we didn't want to do it but we would be like what happened today and sit there and kind of go through like okay we ate breakfast and a lot of the times in terms of trying to recollect what our research was and what the like proper forms of our practice were that we needed to preserve the only way we could access that is through the context in which we were receiving them so like remember when your bike broke and then we were talking in the middle of that about something it was sort of these like concrete moments that happened that were relating to like a recollection practice. Yeah. And so the map was like a place where we could plot all of that out. And then also to, once it was plotted out, like make the connections between what had happened when we had first had Hachelslag, mm -hmm. which is these like weird Dutch sprinkles and the conversation we were happening during that breakfast being related to like an interview we did with the curator two days later. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how I started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you, <coughs> sorry, you, do you, have you, I mean, you shared on your website, you share them on your website, right? Is that one way you yeah, I, like distribute them? I mean, the distribution of them is something that I'm working on this summer because that um, project, which is called Chroma Lives, is a project that ultimately has a destination of uh, an online like mm -hmm. archive, like a website, which we're still working through. And these maps, I wanted also to kind of have a, I've also done a presentation of my own, I've mapped my own practice mm -hmm. in a duration with them to like do a presentation of my work. Mm -hmm. But um, the distribution of them, I wanted to kind of be public online. Um, but it's something that I think I'm thinking a lot about, especially in the beginning of this course, as we're talking about audience mm -hmm. and uh, talking about like intentional distribution, where to not kind of just land it somewhere, but also how to, how to like, encourage that it's being mm -hmm. activated or used because mm -hmm. I also have this idea that it is like an overwhelming I mean maybe I can share my screen again mm -hmm. um, it's kind of an overwhelming uh, interface yeah sort of an over this is a really yeah. simple one actually it's really kind of an overwhelming interface already to just sort of be yeah illustrator it's just an illustrator drawing 
Yeah, I wanted to find a way. I, I want to find a way in terms of its distribution that it, it communicates that the navigation of this map should be as um, as like subjective or as coming from like as open as the creation of it. So that I think it was Vincent or someone was talking about sort of choose your own adventure. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry, um, I forgot who. Henry. Henry. Yeah, choose your own adventure style, like navigation of information, but like to kind of unpack the idea that when one creates an archive, the subjectivity of the archive maker is embedded in what the mm. final result is. And so that when one navigates an archive of information, the narration of that information, even if it's linear, still has like the, it's still mixing with like the the subjectivity mm. of the navigator. So mm. I was sort of trying to think about these maps as like a form that uh, makes that pretty explicit. Yeah. And are like people always in the center? Is it always for like a particular conversation with someone or sometimes around an event? Yeah, around an event or around a subject or I'm making them also, um, I'm behind, but I'm making them uh, of the days that we've had, these past three days of the different presentations, and they look quite different. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, so they're, sometimes they're chronological because that often helps me kind of just as, as one structural container that I can unpack and explode because of course this isn't like linked to an actual 24 hour clock or 12 hour clock. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes they are like the diagrams that we were seeing yesterday, sometimes they're, um, decentralized mm -hmm. or centralized or distributed yeah yeah I mean what's uh, I think clear um, is that I mean for this one I may be in the audience because then I can kind of trace what's happened right yeah that's true and then yeah if you're making one for the course then it becomes like 15 18 I don't know 20 people overall who yeah. then become your audience and people who can identify with them yeah. and regardless of where they enter it's like oh yeah I remember that or you yeah. know what I mean um, and then they kind of so that's, I think, super interesting. What do you think? Yeah, actually, that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. Be, that's very helpful. It's true that you are the audience yeah, to this. Yeah. And that was kind of the thing for Aaron, my collaborator as well, is that we, it was, we were doing it for one another. And then the trace of that sort of doing, I think, mm -hmm. can be kind of open to the yeah. public. But it was also kind of an idea that maybe we could... Um, that there could be another layer of this interface that mm -hmm. all of a sudden with this could be clicked on mm -hmm. and an image would come up that is an image from like index's archive mm -hmm. or uh, um, mm. that things would happen and that maybe actually the link wouldn't be explained yeah. but then there would be some like pushing out of yeah, the yeah, map yeah. into another mm -hmm. space yeah. okay. and I, this i think definitely ties to um, themes in the work of like tracing Tracing, mm -hmm. tracing uh, ideas, yeah. and I wonder because um, I mean thinking about where ideas fall within distribution is something I've been thinking about this week. Especially thinking of like the exhibition coming from like an idea, and then you know, so I'm I don't know. Yeah, I was just thinking about that, um, and I mean, can you say more about that? The solution of like the lineage and provenance of ideas. Yeah, um, yeah. I um, I'm stopping sharing. Mm -hmm. I was thinking a lot, I was thinking through that a lot in my um, master's yeah, thesis yeah, degree okay. because I am an artist and have a practice, a material practice um, and also a research practice and um, I was reading a lot of sort of feminist methodologies when I was in school and thinking about uh, how my practice is in relation to its site. So like mm -hmm. how I, as, an, as a working artist, um, and the materials or the decisions that I make or the materials that I even like choose to use actually have a provenance that, that can be tracked. Like how those things got to me is not my own sort of individual isolated mm -hmm. conception. It has all of, all of the things to do with where I am or, and where I am not only just like, oh, I'm in Rotterdam and so therefore I'm gonna pick up garbage from the port. Mm -hmm. But it's also like, uh, uh, why I'm uh, working with textile because my mother sewed because I learned how to sew from my mother because it's something I did um, my leisure time why is like leisure time associated to an artistic practice because it's outside of work so when my artistic practice falls into the realm of work who am I like where are my associations coming from basically and so I was uh, really interested in kind of like 
plotting those lineages, mm -hmm. both of material and also of ideas, in order to kind of have a like radically dependent practice that I was able to kind of position myself always within yeah uh, yeah within within different histories and also with within different and it was also really generative for me too to make that also the kind of folded into the content mm -hmm. of the work and share it uh, mm -hmm. through sculpture and video. Yeah. yeah. And I, this notion of like radical dependency, I think, follows through to kind of the end of your thesis, mm -hmm. where you talk about these like many midwives and, um, and also just something else we were talking about, uh, kind of this uh, acknowledgement and gratitude kind of thing where you're saying, there are many people who are part of this process. Yeah. Um, and it's like how, I mean, maybe this is where this comes from, like the, this like the desire to want to acknowledge and like show gratitude within your artistic practice. Yeah, yeah, it comes from that. It also comes from kind of like thinking about this stillness and also this sort of illusion of uh, individualism or autonomy that artistic practice or that the containers mm -hmm. of artistic practice now, uh, contemporary art now, sort of lot, 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 loads, lots. Mm -hmm. Like Marty, when you, you were talking about sort of Dali as this sort of centralized, in, like totally mm -hmm. uh, untethered figure um, of an artist, yeah. the genius or the, and which is completely sort of encouraged and desired by systems of consumption, mm -hmm. capitalist systems or, um, yeah, system, systems of categorization that can be really simply, this artist does this one thing, they produce a body of work and that is their oeuvre. But of course, there is this sort of uh, always com communities around artists where they're working, where they're getting their ideas, where they're kind of sourcing from, where they're yeah. borrowing. There's, there's all of, you can sort of trace, and I was always really interested in tracing kind of how someone came to an idea. Like, how could you possibly have thought that? <laughs> like, is it out of your own mind's yeah, eye? Are you I truly that? Yeah, you're like, wow, what the hell? But then if you unpack it, there are all yeah. these people that are informing you. And of course, this is also like a feminist practice of, of, mm -hmm. of unpacking relations because too, there is this, um, there are communities that are, uh, that, that are, able to like survive basically mm -hmm. only with within the support of that community mm -hmm. um so there's a plurality already in um in those practices and i think those are histories that are first to be undermined because they don't mm -hmm. simple enough they don't mm -hmm. kind of like summarize themselves in one name mm -hmm. and so the acknowledgement um of an artistic practice i think was one way of me i'm still thinking through how to even but maybe I'll share my screen also and show you. Uh, and now I'm unprepared, so you'll see something else. Uh, there's an artist in Stockholm that um, has a nice, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, maybe I'll meet her today, but maybe not. But Jacqueline, I'm not sure maybe some of you know her. She's a PhD student at uh, Kunstbach. Can you see it this way? Yeah. She has an artist acknowledgement section on her website. Um, and it's really simple. And I think that, um, yeah, it's 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 uses the language of like credits um, and book acknowledgements, mm -hmm. and I, you know, she says it quite clearly. Since artists do not work in a vacuum, this page is an attempt to make public my deepest gratitude towards often underrecognized labor by friends, colleagues, interlocutors, technicians, and/or other humans. Um, and I remember, like early early on, when I was first designing designing, when I was first like building my website, I was really interested in like post and early post internet art mm -hmm. but there was this thing that people were having this it would be like work cv bio or info mm -hmm. and then links and then the links would be people mm -hmm. they would just be other artists websites and it was a huge resource for me to like also working from toronto to kind of connect with other artists that are working in other places and there is like a like kind of this like hermetic al already a hermeticism and like kind of like a name dropping potential mm -hmm. in there but it still was a resource for me yeah. and so i remember that navigation and i think of it fondly and and yeah that's what i'm working on this mm -hmm. summer is thinking through kind of different systems of how to show radical dependency yeah. in artistic practice yeah, yeah it's super interesting I mean, now I'm thinking about um, these like many containers 
within <laughs> artistic practice that can either support or or maybe resist uh, certain archetypes, like archetypes, right? Yeah. Um, and this maybe being one of them, like having creating this container that is like an artist acknowledgement that then does something else, you know, mm-hmm. that that yeah helps people trace who you're thinking with or creates a context for you of you for of the artist, which is really interesting, I think. Yeah, I mean, you had you would use the what what was the theoretical framework. Mm-hmm. And like your theoretical framework being kind of centralized in how you think of your curatorial mm-hmm. practice, like who you're reading and who you choose yeah. to surround yourself yeah. with. Yeah. Because I guess, do you consider that also like your community? My like thinking community, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in that way, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, within like black feminism and decolonial feminism, there is this like, like citation practices, I guess. And I would say in some ways, I mean, citations aren't acknowledgements, but they are um, these little spaces or containers that that um, either confirm or go against canons, right? And also just thinking about different ways of citing that that are familiar to my audience, you know, that, mm-hmm. that like people who are um, like reading my work are like, oh my God, okay, I can do this and this and that. Like I'm thinking of working like something I've been thinking about is like Solange and like somehow inserting her music into my work or mm-hmm. into my like writing or because I'm also I mean these are people in my contemporary not my contemporary my gosh but like these are people in the now who I'm thinking of yeah it connects me with another audience so it's like what are these little things that we're working with that create and construct audiences yeah yeah or that clearly say this is my audience yeah you know? um yeah I mean it's very interesting and I mean, another question about your work is this notion of, um, I mean, I'm thinking about intuition mm-hmm. in your work. And I think I see like lots of traces of it mm-hmm. um, and working with intuition and, and how do you like, I mean, I'm thinking a lot now about um, orientations and intuition. So it's like, cause if you are acknowledging intuition as this like um, place of knowledge, as a valid place of knowledge, I think there has to be a certain orientation, yeah. right? Already, and if we're talking about like phenomenology, um, so it's like what I wonder with you, what like what is the shift in orientation that made that valid? You know, that made our, like intuition a valid space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it helps thinking through thinking with um, yeah other thinkers, other mm-hmm. like. Uh, mm-hmm feminist phenomenal phenomenological <laughs> uh, text like uh, there's this text called um, phenomenology of whiteness by Sarah Ahmed who does who writes that blog um, feminist killjoys um, that it was really important for me um, to think about like as as a as a way to kind of check orientation sort of like you're there's you're always within your perception of objects and your perception of the world is always kind of tethered to uh, your own subjectivity and your own orientation. Um, and so when intuition comes to play, when you're like kind of, when, when you sort of tap, when I tap into like an intuitive process in artistic practice, um, I also kind of simultaneously without squashing the intuition or without like uh, not permitting the intuition to flow, kind of simultaneously want to kind of recognize that, that intuition does come from a place. Like mm-hmm. there is a direction to that intuition that it isn't sort of just this like uh, situationist yeah. international, like receiving everything, but there is more of a situatedness in, in the way that we navigate yeah. through our worlds that yeah. we essentially don't always recognize because that would be overwhelming. Yeah. It's just like kind of um, like Anna had spoken about the, like complicatedness of how to present information, how to like carry information. Mm-hmm. I think that's like sort of how I think about navigating the world through mm-hmm. orientation or kind of preserving a, an awareness as, as one navigates the world. Yeah. So in my, I don't have an answer to that. So that's something that I think about all the time, but in the writing practice of my thesis, which I will share, um, it is a poet and I guess a lot of poetry and prose um, in the beginning in the beginning in the chapters like in the in the meat of it and then there's almost a, like an equivalent section that is of, of equivalent length that 
uh, is sort of, you were, yeah, it's called The Many Midwives, and it's mm -hmm. sort of like elaborated footnotes in paragraph form of who the characters are based on, where the ideas are coming from, who the thinkers are that are being referenced. I try to kind of like keep all proper pronouns out of the first part mm -hmm. and then fill it in the second part. So kind of like that was a strategy to kind of preserve this space of fiction mm -hmm. that also has intuition and also has playfulness and also has like kind of generative new stories in it. And then afterwards, without numbers being like, oh, by the way, there's yeah. something here, but, and then afterwards kind of alongside it bound in the same piece, mm -hmm. there's this really more specific uh, references to the mm -hmm. orientation of where all those texts come, are coming mm -hmm. from. And that was inspired by a poet's uh, novel called The Transformation, uh, whose name is Juliana Spar. Mm -hmm. but, um, should we open it up to questions? Yeah. Sorry, mm -hmm. we've been, yeah. Going, been going yapping. off. We've been, we've been yapping, <laughs> been yapping. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. feedback or questions. Uh, yeah. Vincent. Yeah, Vincent. Oh wait, also Jesse. Should I answer Jesse? Yeah, let's answer Jesse. Okay. Um. So I, I've like more recently started reading Sylvia Wintermore, like in deeper detail. And what I started with is the, sorry, is the, um, the text considering Unsettling the Coloniality of Being, where she, I mean, I'm sure you've read it, no? Um, okay, where she, uh, she kind of maps the history of mankind, um, which is, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, she maps like the history of the human uh, and what's that, what, that's helping me with a lot right now is thinking about um, just thinking about how to like in my practice not to well, be a, a curator that can hold different discourses like regarding like the human and regard well, the human and regarding like um, the planet and kind of thinking about like coloniality as something that like wrecked the world in these many different ways and she really uh, is someone who's helping me think through those kinds of ideas um, I, I recommend her I think she's She's like, I think I find her dense, but I find her really dense and hard to read. Um, but it's, I think, worthwhile work. Just because, yeah, yeah, I don't know, just this notion of like the, our current conceptions of man as um, like a genre. Sure, yeah, um, as like a genre of the human. Um, and what, I mean, I guess her perspective is, is that the human can be salvaged, right? She's not like saying, away with, with the human completely. She's working with the human. Um, and I think saying that we must find new ways of being. Yeah. Perfect, I will do that. Is it this, uh, unsettling the coloniality? Unsettling the, but it's like, yeah, it's a long, yeah, that's it. You'll find yeah, it. okay. Um, and I can, I'll uh, take, I'll send some more. Vincent. <clears throat> hey. Um, hey, so I don't know if I misheard, but um, uh, oh, my battle. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I misheard, but at some point I thought um, my battle that you mentioned the concept of double blackness. Um, global. global. Oh, sorry. I don't know. I don't know if it was like a some kind of concept that I didn't know. What did you say? Double. And I didn't know it, it, could, it could have been, yeah, I don't know, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, um, okay, but global blackness makes more sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know how that could have been used in different ways. But, um, uh, okay, so that was one question. And then um, the, um, uh, another question was to Lily, and it was, um, um, the, I mean, it's really, it's very related to what you were talking about, how, um, how do you think about the concept of invisible labor regarding to what you were talking about, um, with uh, the idea of the artist who does sort of like, because I feel like a lot of the time, um, they can show work and there's so much that's gone on with people helping or with, yeah. So. Yeah, um, that was, uh, uh, that was where I started from 
um, in my um, for the past two years in, in my in my degree program, I was living in the Netherlands and I was working with textile. And so I, I was working also with waste textile and I had found sort of sort of circumstantially this place that was um, selling the stocks of the, the dead stock of the textile factories that had uh, closed in the 70s and 80s because the industry moved to the global south. So I was thinking about the shift of um, like material industrialization and the like narration of the, ne the Netherlands becoming um, like post-industrial and kind of like shifting into economies that are uh, more intellectual economies, where that economy, where that like, why that happened is because it was following cheaper labor. But also in the in that unpacking, I was um, thinking through uh, the labor of women in that industry, and of course this is also related to the the labors of an artist that are uh, unremunerated because they cannot be categ categorized or or qualified or, or, or like kind of put, put, a, put a quantity on like uh, the work of the work of being in relation and meeting and talking and maintaining relationships with other people which is a labor which is an emotional labor care labor the work of attention also like um, the labor of paying attention to your peers paying attention to who you're thinking through paying attention to how ideas are shifting and always responding to that um, there's a text that I put a link to in this uh, document that I'll share with you by a Spanish collective called Precarias a la Zariva, who's sort of a, you know them? Yeah, they're like this sort of feminist collective that um, wrote a really beautiful text about uh, invisible labors. And it was something that was quite um, inspiring to me as I think about my position as an artist. Yeah, because I also like recently, you know, had an exhibition in a commercial gallery. So it was like really still, and I was thinking about uh, in the text of the exhibition within the didactic material, I tried to kind of like elaborate, um, not just names, but elaborate like what they did. Like my friend Katarina who held up this mold while I poured the plaster into the boot, like people who stayed up late at night talking me through anxiety attacks, like this kind of thing that, that isn't, um, yeah, these kinds of, this kind of work that's inevitable work uh, that's always done for free and is essential actually to the production of things that look look like work um, and actually can translate into money. Um, there's a question that was from Sahar, yeah. Um, um, uh, mostly I'm, um, in my work I'm interested in audience and I was wondering to ask, um, uh, uh, sorry I forgot the name, it's or Lily. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you talked about the audience and uh, I was thinking what kind of, um, because when you choose a place to practice your uh, work is choosing an audience. So what kind of audience you had uh, and uh, yeah, interesting. Right, like in Stockholm or generally? Uh, yeah, like for example in Stockholm. Okay, um, so in Stockholm, I'm really not practiced, honestly, yet. I've done a lot, like, more writing than practicing. Um, but then thinking about, like, projects that we're pl I'm planning now and, like, what the audience would look like there. Um, I mean, with audiences, right, like, what dictates the audience sometimes is the artist um, and who is interested in their practice and the institution, right? Um, so thinking about like institution that I'm like planning planning a like a side project for, which is like a, I would say quite a wide. I mean obviously wide institution Stockholm is quite wide, right? Um, and in that context, I mean planning and thinking about the audience would have to do with. I'm, I'm taking the lead from the from the artist and kind of saying, look you, I think you should, con I mean, they always construct their audience anyways, and they have people who do engage with their, with their work. So in this case, in that case, it's easier, but sometimes it is harder. Um, so I don't really have a concrete answer for that. It's just been easier in this particular context. It, it relates actually to yeah. like Sorry, I just wanted to answer how, how was the, like, 
I mean, you found a difference between like uh, having it out of uh, white. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially it's a specific side of uh, like you taking the African. Uh, yeah, I can't find words. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, thinking about in South Africa, where again, the audience has to do with what is on show, the curator. Um, and also, yeah, like the artist. Um, I don't know, in that space, it's, that is, those are the things that dictate it. But then when I think, maybe this goes also into Zinia's question about care um, in relation to, like, to artworks that are about being um, together in like, relation to care. Um, I think those kinds of spaces, it, the audience is cherry picked about like who is the artist trying to be in conversation with, who am I to be trying to be in conversation with as well. And I think it's easier in those contexts than with like object based um, artworks, right? Yeah. So hard, well, which is actually really quickly because I'll just acknowledge Jesse's question about uh, the context of Stockholm and Sweden, which you've also asked before, which I think is related. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can just keep on going with that conversation because I'd like to have that conversation too um, because it would be useful for me. Uh, but yes, Zenya. Zenya. How do we say it? Is it Zenya? Yes, Zenya. Zenya. Perfect. Zenya. Oh, okay. um, but I mean, we have two minutes and uh, we should respect the time. So let's, I mean, come back, let's be in conversation, mm. let's uh, text on Slack and stuff, yeah. I think yeah, we can really also good. discuss it yes. if you're here next week in yeah. that. Yeah, we can discuss it there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're at Index next week, Tuesday and Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday. maybe Monday. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and also Monday. like following through throughout the summer. Throughout Tuesday the summer, yeah. every week. Yeah, and yeah, we're scheduled in the schedule. I think right now is like I have Tuesdays and Lovato has Wednesdays, but we decided we want to be here together as much as possible. So we'll just be here for both of those days. You've listened to a recording from Index Foundation. 